Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Hey, I've brought your Bibles with you. I want you to turn to 3 John this evening. 1st, 2nd, 3rd John. I'm doing my devotions through the epistles of John this past week and finished up on Monday in 3rd John and man the Lord spoke to my heart again I love this passage of scripture it's one of my favorites preached out of many times and and I was just impressed again uh, with some truth here and I want to share it with us uh, this evening but before I do I want to I want to introduce uh, I want to introduce 1st 2nd 3rd John in a unique way I want you to see this short video it's just about a minute and 40 seconds that'll give us just a little bit of background on the epistles of 1st, 2nd, 3rd John because they're connected. You know, everything in the Bible's connected, right? The knee bone's connected to the uh-uh and, right? And so it's all connected. So I want you to see the connection tonight. Doug, you ready with that? Go ahead and show that video. The letters of 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 1st John is actually anonymous, but 2nd and 3rd John are written by someone who's called the Elder. Now the language and style of all three of these works are identical to each other and to John's gospel. And so most people think that all of them come from the disciple that Jesus loved. Now that could be John the son of Zebedee, one of the 12 apostles, or it could be another John among Jesus's earliest disciples known as John the Elder. Whichever John it was, he's now in his old age and he's overseeing a network of house church communities that are likely around the city of ancient Ephesus. Now from clues within the gospel and from these letters, it seems that these communities were made up mostly of Jewish followers of Jesus and that they had recently gone through a crisis that motivated John to write these letters. He mentions that a group of people have broken off from these churches. These people no longer acknowledge Jesus as Israel's Messiah or as the Son of God. And they're stirring up hostility among those who stayed faithful to the churches. In fact, 2nd and 3rd John clearly address this conflict. Second John is a warning to a specific house church. There are people who deny Jesus. John calls them deceivers. And they're probably going to come looking for validation or support. And this church community is not to offer any. Third John is actually written to a member of one of these house churches, a man named Gaius. And the elder asks him to welcome legitimate missionaries who are going to arrive soon. He has to tell him to do this because the leader of that church community, Diotrephes, is acting like a jerk and he's rejecting anybody associated with John the Elder. That is a background, and we could go a lot deeper on that, but this is just a Bible study, right? Using that as a background this evening, I want you to take a look at this text. Uh, join me in verse 1. The Elder unto the well-beloved Gaius, whom I love in the truth, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospers. That's interesting. We'll come back to that in a moment. He says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even 
as thou walkest in the truth. And he's speaking about this fellow Gaius. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. He says, Beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and to strangers, which have borne witness of thy charity before the church, whom if thou bring forward on their journey after a godly sort, thou shalt do well. Because that for his name's sake they went forth, taking nothing of the Gentiles. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Uh, verse 9, just let me touch on this. I wrote unto Diotrephes, who loveth to have, look at this, the preeminence among them, but received this not. And then he talks about in verse number 12, Demetrius. He says, Demetrius has a good report, got a good testimony of all the men, and of the truth itself, yea, and we also bear record, and, we, and ye know that our record is true. So, interesting passage of Scripture. I believe, and I'm, you know, we're just doing a study here, so it doesn't really matter what I believe, but we believe that the elder in this passage is John, the same John who wrote the Gospel of John. And, and there's evidence when you begin to listen to his writings or, you know, listen to his, his words. He uses the term beloved or beloved. How do you say it? Beloved or beloved? I guess it all depends on the context, right? He uses that term over and over. In fact, in between 1 John and 3 John, eight times he uses that term beloved or beloved. And if you know anything about John, the Apostle John, he considered himself the apostle whom Jesus loved, you know, the beloved. And so there's evidence. And if you listen to his writing here and what he's saying, evidence that it was John uh, the Apostle John, John the Elder. Uh, and, but what he's doing in this text, now pay attention right here, this is kind of like a personal letter that he's writing to a fellow named Gaius. It's a personal letter. And he says some things in the first few verses uh, from his heart to this fellow. This fellow Gaius, as it was said in the video, was a member of a house church. You know many people believe this. Many people believe that before the church is raptured, we're going to have to go back to house churches because of persecution. And I think when you, you know, you live and breathe, and if you've been around for any length of time, you know things are changing in America. Think about what happened here in, in New Jersey during the COVID crisis, that pandemic, right? I mean, you can see how it didn't take a whole lot huh, for the government to step in and churches to have to fight for their lives. And so this Gaius was a member of one of the house churches. And in this text of Scripture, there's three specific men that are spoken of. And, and, and I like this. What John does is he kind of labels them. He describes them. And you know, after all these years of church history, Kevin, 2,000 years of church history, things haven't changed that much. There are still, you know, there's still diversity amongst, you know, church members. And I think if you look at any New Testament church, you'll find one of these three individuals. There is in every church individuals like Gaius. And what uh, John does in this text is he labels them. Look what he says in verse number one. He says, the elder unto the well-beloved Gaius. You see that? So you know what he's saying? He's saying this, if, if a church had a hall of fame of members, 
Gaius would be on that, that wall. He'd be on that list. And so I was talking yesterday, Don and I had the pleasure to sit down with Bob and Pat Nickturn for a good bit. And it doesn't take long before, when you love your church, it doesn't take long before you just begin to let it out. And man, they were just talking about some of the folks who, you know, they went to church with here. They talked about the Hammonds, you know, and, and I mean, they just went on and on. And, and, and it was just helping me because of what I knew I was going to teach tonight. That every church has individuals that we would say they are well-beloved. Right? However, say this with me, however. Another way to say that is, but. <laughs> but, there's this fellow here in this church, his name is Diotrephes, verse number 9. You see it? Look, I wrote into the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence. You know what that means, right? It meant this. It means that in, in, in Diotrephes' world, the only person who mattered was Diotrephes. Right? And so, he labels them. Look what he says here in this text. He, 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 he receives us not. Wherefore, if I come, I will, you know, and I'm really not talking about Diotrephes tonight, but I think he would label Diotrephes, now pay attention right here, as somebody that you need to keep your eye on. Hello? He's somebody you need to keep your eye on. Years and years ago, I preached the message out of this text, and I used these three individuals, and I said, Gaius represents that group of individuals known as the well-beloved, but Diotrephes represents that group of individuals in every church that you just need to watch out for. Every church has individuals, sad to say, that you've got to keep your eye on. They're troublemakers. Are you with me? Huh? But then... He talks about this young man, Demetrius. Look at verse number 12. Demetrius has a good report. He's got a good testimony of who? All the men. All the men. Huh? I mean, the guys, all the men in the church, these house churches around the, you know, around the uh, province of Asia, uh, Roman province of, of, of uh, uh, Ephesus. Man, all the, all the men just thought, man, just thought the best of him. You know why? Because... Demetrius was probably one of those individuals that we would say is a breath of fresh air. Every church has individuals. You know, we look out, young individuals that are growing in the Lord. I can just, I can name several here. Just a breath of fresh air. You like being around them. You know, they got a good testimony. People talk highly of them. You know, uh, when I think about, when I say this, somebody in this church who you know is a breath of fresh air, somebody come to your mind? Sure, sure, if you think, you know, I've I, I not even been here that long. I can give you, I can just rattle off names. Men and women who are just a breath of fresh air. So every church has these type of members, right? And he talks about this Gaius here as just being unique. In fact, I remember, you know, many times, I say it still many times, I'd say, well, I tell you what, I wish the church had a hundred more like, and you name somebody, right? How many times as a pastor I've said that? Man, give me a hundred more of those guys. Give me a hundred more of those gals. It'd be great if we had more members like Gaius was that kind of individual. And as I, as I kind of pick through this study, uh, I kind of see how John, what John does. He points out 
some of the qualities that made Gaius, this fellow Gaius, you know, a, a member of the beloved. What, what was it? What stands out? Well, let's look at the text. Let's do a Bible study. He says this, look at verse number two. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. Now, that's not, that's not an indication that he had poor health, but he's just praying for him. By the way, if you ever really want to pray biblically, you ought to look in the Bible of how others prayed for others. And this is a prayer. John's praying for, and he's praying. I'm praying for you, Gaius, that, you know, you, you prosper in your health and be as strong physically as you are spiritually. That's what he's praying. You didn't say it, did you? Look at it again. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health, even as thy soul prospereth. So you know what he's pointing out here about this fellow? He's saying this, Gaius is a spiritual man. And what made him a member of that group called the Beloved was he had some real spiritual depth about him. He had some real spiritual maturity about him. Are you with me? Huh? Now, you're aware of this, right? You're aware of the fact that spiritual maturity doesn't come with age. Right? Just because you're older doesn't mean you're mature. I know a lot of immature old people. Sometimes I use one. Huh? Spiritual maturity doesn't come just because a person's been saved for 40 years or more. No. You know how somebody becomes spiritually mature? Hmm? Say it again. In the Word. Somebody said something over here? Serving. So I heard something. I'm sorry? Reading the Bible? Huh? Fellowship. They're all good answers. Walking in the footsteps of God. All right, so how does somebody become spiritually mature? All of the above, but really, basically, by obeying, by obeying God's word. Because you can be in it, but if you're not obeying it, right? And so there's evidence here. John speaks about this fellow Gaius as being spiritually mature, you know? And he's talking about, man, it'd be great. It'd be great if, if, your, if your physical health was as, was as healthy as your spiritual health. You know, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's saying this. Maybe what he's saying to, to him is, you know, your outward appearance, you know, your inward, your inward depth ought to be affecting your outward appearance. In other words, your Christianity ought to become visible. Amen. Right? Don't you agree with that? Huh? I wonder if that's the case with us. I do know this. Let me make this comment and see, if you, see what you think about it. Spiritual deficiency will make negative impacts in life. When you and I, when we are spiritually deficient, we will, we will have a negative influence in life. It's just the way it is. And so he says this about this Gaius. He says to him, or he says about him, that he's a spiritual man. And he's got some depth about him. And that doesn't happen accidentally. You know, it's on purpose. Growth in the Lord is deliberate. Are you with me? But then he said this about him. I like this. Look at verse number three. 
verse 3 says, For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in truth. So you know what he's saying about him here? He's saying that Gaius had a good testimony. Right? Let's talk about that for a second. When you speak about somebody's testimony, what are we talking about? Pardon me? Their walk. What were you going to say, Dennis? Their life, their life story. Right? Anything else? What's your story? You ever hear that term? What's your story? Right? But I want you to note this, and this is key. It's not that Gaius said, I am, I am, I am. He wasn't, you know, writing an autobiography here. You know what that is? You know the difference between an autobiography and a biography? What is it? Say it again. All right, so what's an autobiography? You write it. It's what you say about yourself, right? What do you think is better, a biography or an autobiography? Auto? You think so? I think, I think what somebody else says carries more weight than what you say, because you can say anything. It depends on who writes it. Well, I heard Carol Ann is writing yours, and so I want to read that. Oh, yeah. Amen. We'll see about that. But look what happens here. He says, I rejoice great when the brethren came and testified. You see that verse number three? When the brethren came and testified. So this is not Gaius speaking about himself. I love the Lord and man, I go soul winning and I read my Bible through all year long and I attend every church service and I get the medal every year for never missing services and I'm in every... That's not Gaius saying that. No, the brethren came and testified about this fellow. Isn't that awesome? Did you, ever, did you ever read 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse number 7? Look at this Bible verse. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man saith, for man looketh on what? The outward appearance. But the Lord, he looketh on the heart. Huh? So you know what some folk have done? Some folk have said this. Some folk have used this Bible verse as a proof text to kind of justify their bad behavior. And here's what they said. You don't know my heart, but I do. Because your heart comes out of your mouth. And your heart shows on your face. And your heart is revealed in your beliefs and in your actions. And so the Lord is not saying here, it's not important. Look here. Uh, I've refused him. Man looketh on the outward appearance. He's not saying this. It doesn't matter what man sees. That's not what he's saying. What he's saying is man is only able to see the outward appearance. I can see your heart, but you can't see my heart. All you can see is what I let you see. And you're going to make a determination based upon what you see. Because a testimony, pay attention right here, a testimony, your testimony is a commentary on your life. So when people say, your name, you know, Dennis McMichael, what are, what are they thinking? Raji Smith, what are they thinking? It's to come. What they're thinking is what you put into their mind, what you allowed them to see, what came out of your mouth. Are you, are you getting it? I said this to somebody yesterday. I'm so glad the Lord knows my heart. Because there's sometimes, there's been times when I've gotten all messed up in my head. But the Lord knows my heart. 
Are you with me? There have been some times I've said some things that honestly I really didn't mean, and I'm glad the Lord knew my heart. But since you don't, I got to deal with what I said. Because I may have hurt you by what I said or by what I did or didn't do. Are you with me? Uh, the wise man, Solomon, he said this in Proverbs 22, verse number 1. He said, a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. A good name, a good reputation. And so I would say this about Gaius. Gaius was consistent in his actions. John, you know, John doesn't seem to be impressed by the fact that Gaius knew the truth. He was more impressed with the fact that Gaius did the truth. Look at the text again. I'm just reading the Bible. He says, For I rejoice greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou what? Walkest in the truth. I have no greater joy, he says, than to hear that my children walk in truth. Now, it doesn't, I don't know for sure. There's a lot of men in the New Testament, especially in the Roman province, that were named Gaius. In fact, Paul writes about a fellow named Gaius. It doesn't seem to be the same person, you know. And so, but a lot of times when Paul would call somebody his son, he meant son in the faith because Paul wasn't married. Son in the faith, meaning that he was instrumental in leading him to the Lord. I'm not sure if John was instrumental in leading Gaius to the Lord or instrumental in starting these house churches, but he, he considers him, or he says here, no greater joy than to hear that my children walk in truth. So maybe, I don't know, maybe he was a little instrumental. Maybe he, you know, planted a seed, added a little water, maybe reaped a harvest. It's a big production that goes on to get somebody saved, you know, <laughs> right? Nonetheless, he's a saved man, and he's impressed. Let me ask you a question, church, because I think this is a real weakness amongst us Christians. Do you say one thing and do another? got quiet I know go ahead and hum or whistle or do something you're getting, getting making me nervous do you say one thing and do another huh isn't it a weakness amongst us Christians and I think this I think I don't know I'll speak for myself I'm guilty of that at times I am I'm guilty of that I say one thing and do another you know in fact the apostle Paul said oh wretched man that I am why did he say that he said, because the things that I should do, I don't do, and the things that I shouldn't do, I do. You remember that text in Romans chapter number 7? Remember that? And, and the conclusion, oh, wretched man. He said, I'm a mess. And that's because we have, these, we have this dual nature still in us, right? You know, that old nature, the new nature. I mean, and they just, man, at times they just war against each other. And like the old fellow said, you know, which, you know, which, you know, which one wins? You know, it's like a white dog and a, and a black dog, and they're going at it. Which one wins? Well, whichever one you feed and say sick them to. So if you feed that new nature, that new nature is going to grow and win. But if you don't, well, then the old nature doesn't really need to be fed. It still remembers how to be old, natured, right? So, guys, you know, James reminds this. James reminds that sometimes we're good talkers. But a faith that doesn't have works is a powerless faith. Right? And so unless we back it up with Gaius had that kind of faith, I think he, had, he was very consistent in his actions. But then notice, notice one other thing in this, in this passage. Verse 5, look what he says. He says, Beloved, 
thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest to the brethren and the strangers, which have borne witness of thy what? Charity before the church. And so I think Paul, uh, John points out that Gaius was a generous man. He was a generous man. And by the way, a generous Christian is a sure sign of a mature Christian. Right? Somebody who is generous. And by the way, you don't need to have the gift of giving in order to be generous or charitable. Right? You, you just need to be mature. Because you think about it, our Father, our Father God was charitable. Right? For, for God so loved the world that he held back what the world really needed. No, he gave. He gave. And so it's only natural for his children, you know, to follow suit and be charitable. When you read the, the great love, we call it the great love chapter. What's the great love chapter in the Bible? 1 Corinthians 13. 1 Corinthians 13, right? But did you ever notice in that text, in the King James Bible, it doesn't use the word love? Charity. What's it used? Charity. And when you think about charity, what do you think about? Emotional hugs and kisses? What do you think about? Giving. You think about giving. I think it's an absolute shame when we replace that word charity with word love because it just doesn't, it doesn't translate. That's the best use of the word in that text. Agape, charitable, giving, giving of oneself, sacrificing. Isn't that what God's love is? It's a sacrifice, right? And so if you're walking with the Lord and if you're growing in your faith and if you're maturing as a Christian, you're going to be a generous Christian. And did you notice this? I know you've seen it. Did you notice how his generosity was not discriminate? Look, look, look at verse number five again. I'm not sure if you picked it up or not. He said, beloved, thou doest faithfully whatsoever thou doest. To who? And? There's no discrimination with our brother. Hello? Whether you are a Christian or not, you know, he, he's just going to be the same, man. He's going to be generous towards you. Isn't that the way it ought to be? Huh? Isn't that the way it ought to be? Doesn't make a difference what, you know, a person, I like what James talks about. James says, you know, a person comes in and they got, you know, they're dressed, you know, to the nines, you know, and they're, you know, dripping with jewelry. And you say to that individual, man, ushers, get him up here. Give him the best seat, you know. Then you have somebody come in, a little smelly, you've seen him hanging out over Wawa. Man, somebody brings him to church and we're saying, good grief, why'd they bring him to church? Hello? There's a problem with that kind of Christianity. Isn't that right? Huh? There's a problem with that kind of Christianity. Not our brother. He's not discriminating. Not at all. In fact, in fact, Diotrephes was just the opposite. Look at, look at verse number 9. I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who's self-centered, it's all about him, receives us not. He didn't receive us. Wherefore, when I come, I want to remember his deeds, which he prided against us, you know, using malicious words, not content therewith. Neither does he himself receive the brethren, and forbiddeth them that would, and casteth them out of the church. And so he's the individual standing at, he's the fellow, uh, Dennis, who puts the sign out in front of the church, if you're not dressed right, you can't come in. Hello? He's, he's the kind of guy, probably, that when they're taking an offering, he says to the ushers, go count it to make sure it's enough. If not, we're going to pass him again. You say, what? Oh, there's churches like that. Oh, I've been, we've been in services, right, Donna? 
We've been in services where the preacher said, that's just not enough. I can look from here. That's not enough. Pass them out again. Three times. Yeah. I was ready to throw my shoe at that guy. <laughs> you got to be kidding me, man. I want to get out of here. You know? Yeah. That's Diotrephes. It's all about him. Why, why are they doing? <laughs> Dave, why in the world are they, are they helping Raji when they should be helping me? Huh? See, see, that kind of mentality is just not. But apparently, apparently Gaius was a good role model, and he rubbed off on this young fellow, Demetrius, because it says this. He says, Demetrius, verse 12, has a good report of all men and of the truth itself. Yeah, and we also bear record, and you know that our record is true about this fellow Demetrius. And so apparently, this is what's believed. It's believed that Demetrius was the individual, the messenger, or the carrier that John used to bring the message to Gaius. And he was kind of like, I don't know, I, I called, you know what I called him? I called him a wannabe. I love, and Roger, I love churches that have young men that want to be what God wants them to be. Huh? That's awesome. Right now, uh, your son, Nathan, is interning here for the summer. You know, I'm thrilled that this young man just wants to be around the ministry. He wants to be in the pastor's office. He wants to be with the assistant. He's a wannabe. Thank God for wannabes. And what we have to do is make sure we realize that there are others who are watching. And we ought to serve as role models. You know, I told Bob and Pat and Nick Turn yesterday, like I would tell... Uh, Miss Honey and, and Woody and Evelyn and Dave Clee and Cheryl and, and, and Craig, well, you're not that old yet. But I would say, look here, believe me when I tell you, there's younger people watching and they see your faithfulness. No, you can't do what you used to do, but you did do it when you could do it. And now you just do what you can do and that's enough. Thanks for being a role model. Amen? I see Honey sitting there all the time. <laughs> Big old smile. Uh, you don't think she's got aches and pains? Huh? I mean, she lives with her grandkids. You know she's got aches and pains. Her son-in-law lives right down the street. But man, she's here every service. Isn't that awesome? Thank God for people like that. Praise the Lord for people like that. Role models. Well-beloved. Well-beloved. Fred and Carol sitting over there. Well-beloved. And the list goes on, right? Thank the Lord for people like that. And so, I'm glad, aren't you glad that God allows us to just take a peek into this personal letter between John, the beloved, and Gaius, the well-beloved. You know, he allows us to just take a little peek inside and, uh, and into this wonderful relationship. So maybe we might ask this question. Now, I'm done. Maybe he allows us to take a peek inside the Holy Writ into this personal letter so that we might ask ourselves, what kind of a Christian am I? What kind of a Christian am I? Huh? What, if anything, what do others say about me? Because the brethren testified about Gaius, and he wasn't a pastor, he was just a member of the church. A little house church. Had a great testimony. And I thought about this, and I'm finished. What kind of church would open Bible be like if every member were just like me? 
Think about that. Think about that. By the way, pretend like you didn't see that because that will be a message in an upcoming Sunday. Because I have a message on that. So think about this. If everybody at Open Bible attended services like you, what would our attendance be like? If everybody at Open Bible served like you, what would our service be like? Right? If everybody gave like you, what would our giving be like? Because it all starts with me. Right? I love it when Joshua said, as for me, he's going to hold himself accountable. So maybe we're allowed to take a peek into this tremendous passage of Scripture so God can just nudge our hearts and get us to think about the Christian that I should be. The depth that I should have. The maturity that I should have. The testimony that I should have. Are you with me? It's personal. This was just one of my devotions on Monday. Shared it with you tonight. But this was for me. Because I ask myself all the time, am I being a good testimony? You know, the Bible says sometimes the fool, all he's got, all he's got to do is open up his mouth. Huh? A fool uttereth all his mind. I don't want to be that way. How about you? I want to be sure. I want to be what God wants me to be. I want to be one day... I want people to look back and say, oh, yeah, Brother Inez, he's one of the well-beloved. I would hope they wouldn't say, oh, man, he was somebody you just had to watch out for him. Huh? Watch out for him. What are you laughing for, Barry? Yeah, loquacious. Yeah, he's loquacious. Amen. Well, God bless you, church. I love you. Praying for you. Hope we have a great end to the week. Great Mother's Day weekend, right? Pray for Raji and Fidelia driving to Virginia tomorrow to see their son graduate from college. What a blessing that is, right? Amen. And then driving back in August to drop off their daughter first year. Doesn't end, does it? <laughs> Laughter and tears. Well, I tell you what, the Lord knows how to balance out the blessing and the burden, right? Amen. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. You're such a great God. We're glad we get to examine it. And be challenged by it. You challenged me through this text this week to just grow spiritually and, and develop, continue to develop a good testimony for your sake. I want people to know there's a seriousness about my Christianity. I love you. I want to live for you, do my best for you. May that be our testimony here at Open Bible. Bless your people tonight. Hedge the campus as we dismiss boys and girls and teenagers coming from all directions. Might we be careful and safe as we exit the campus. We pray in Jesus' name, and amen. God bless you, church. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.